I wanted so badly for everything to constantly be evenly busy, but not overwhelming and never have downtime, but also never be drowning. And I had a coach that I spoke with twice a week and finally understood that that's just not how it's going to be. It's just not the real world. And I feel like that was probably somewhere around like year three or so where I just was like, okay, this is just the life of a business owner and entrepreneur and a, of a very changing landscape. It's always changing. And that's accepting that was probably acceptance and just being present, enjoying what, what, what I do have while still obviously like you know, planning for the future was personally for me, like the, the game changer. This is James Peterson. Welcome to the Business Blind Spots podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs, founders, and business leaders to learn from them about obstacles, roadblocks, and mistakes that they've made along their business journey to learn from them going forward. Today's guest is Miss Colleen Fisher. She is a co-owner and producer of Genius House Media. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me, James. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, can you start us off by just giving us kind of an overview of who you are, yeah. your journey, um, where you come from, and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, so I have been co-owner of Genius House Media, we're a video production shop for 10 years. We just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. Um, before that, I was mainly in marketing, communications and marketing. So what I've ended up doing at Genius House is mostly um, more business development and um, you know scripting, messaging and producing and organizing things and that kind of thing. Uh, how far back I went to Ohio State, I'm a Buckeye. Um, for communication, and I'm originally from Ohio. Nice. Yeah. How are you guys doing this year? I mean, we're we're usually doing pretty pretty well. Well, guys, are, yeah. I think we're five or something like that right yeah, now. But okay. <laughs> well, so we need to brag. I think TCU's number eighty five this oh. year so far, but uh, you know it's still early in the season, so we'll see where it goes. So, yeah. So, what was your first job out of college? Um, my first job was um, public relations manager or probably coordinator at the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Mm. So I did um, PR and communications and a little bit of marketing um, kind of work for a wonderful nonprofit granting wishes to children with life-threatening medical conditions. And that was a pretty solid foundation working in nonprofit because you really are um, feet on the ground doing everything, dealing with media, you know, um, everybody is needed in, mm. um, in the nonprofit world. So yeah. had a really, really wonderful boss there who really has been a lifelong mentor for sure. She's, she's still a friend of mine. In fact, after we left that position, we, we left together and started our own little firm and she still runs it today. And that was probably you know, 20 years ago. Was a marketing firm? Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, she still does a lot of press, um, you know, PR kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a marketing firm in nice. Columbus, yeah, in Ohio. So what made you uh, want to leave your job and, and go start a business? That was um, around the time that my husband got a job here in Fort Worth. 
And so we left Fort Worth and I actually started working. Um, I worked at an ad agency first in Dallas and that was really far. I didn't realize what a pain that was. So I, that didn't last very long, probably six months or so. And then I actually worked for a, a small social media agency here in Fort Worth, um, as well as United Way of Tarrant County, and also did a lot of kind of solo work. So my husband was working um, in video production here. His uh, The job he got here was um, in kind of like the medical education industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm working in marketing in different roles. And we both kind of realized that there was a big need for not just these gigantic productions, not just these huge commercial, you know, uh, Super Bowl, you know, huge budget types of content, but a lot of consistent quality digital content. And so we started Genius House together in 2013, and he was a production manager there. So um, we actually ended up hiring someone from his former staff before they make a great team. And um, we kind of just went from there. Did you do uh, a lot of market research before you started the business? I definitely think we had, we did, definitely did market research, of course. Um, Google searching who's around competitors locally, who's doing well in maybe kind of smaller cities like a Fort Worth um, or maybe mid-tier cities. But we also just had a very lucky break where when he was working for this company, he was taking on other clients and he ended through me, he got introduced to someone um, with a a very big with Dickies, a um, really big the clothing company, and so we started out in a very unique position where um, he did some work for Dickies. They were really impressed, and we ended up with a I think you know series of six videos that we were doing for them. So it wasn't the big scary jump like it is for a lot of people. We mm-hmm. had a we had a partner and somebody that was going to be really good for our portfolio. So it, while we still did, you know, we still were like, okay, are we really doing this? Um, because we had all, you know, we had only dabbled in entrepreneurship before. We really were lucky in the way we, we were able to get started. So I think that that would come with its own set of challenges, right? Versus, um, you know, bootstrapping a startup, wondering where the next payroll is going to come from, wondering how you're going to keep the lights on, where you were just immediately in bed with a huge client from the start, right? We were for sure. And we did have that feeling after that six project contract ended of, oh, what now? You know, mm-hmm. um, now we got to figure out how to really sell ourselves. The executive that we worked with there left and went somewhere else. So um, we didn't really have our connection there anymore. So we really had to be like, okay, we know we're not going to just jump on with another Dickies, you know? So um, we started small and started with, um, you know, local nonprofits and, and started really like kind of almost not starting over, but, um, we had that experience and that was really helpful for us, but we knew we really, we couldn't get too, um, egotistical and think that we were just going to land all these big clients from there. So, um, what, what did that planning process look like as you're, as you're wrapping up with Dickies and you're looking at like, okay, we have our niche, right? So how how did the marketing plan go? And so it sounds like the business development kind of fell on you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was that was always kind of the plan for me to be um, business development. I was really really involved um, with what doesn't exist anymore, but was called the Social Media Club of Fort Worth. I made a ton of connections with them. 
And we started, that's really how it was fully word of mouth. I can't say that we had this marketing plan. We weren't spending money on anything other than networking and um, events and things like that. We did go to one trade show, um, which we actually went with Dickies where we really practiced our pitch because it was, it's called the OR show, Outdoor Retailer Show. And they have the Patagonias all the way down to the brand new smaller companies. At the time, Hari Mari was a really small company. We met them there. Um, it didn't necessarily turn into anything, but we realized, okay, so now let's maybe like kind of narrow this down to apparel. We, we we have Dickies. We've done this with Dickies. Let's, let's think about who we could go to that is apparel. And so we really kind of started to focus in on that, which we now have a a pretty decent size portfolio of apparel brands that and that's a really good one for video production because they are seasonal so um they always need they always need new content so next month we are or at the end of this month we're going to a spring summer shoot with one of our clients and then in the in march we'll go to the fall winter shoot and they're always uh you know a season ahead um, and filming content for them. What, uh, where do you film your, film your content? Um, you have a studio? Do you do outdoor shoots, locations? For this particular one that we do twice a year, it's always outdoors. So this one will be in Palm Springs at the end of this month um, for spring, summer, because they just want sunshine. Sometimes they go somewhere beachy. Um, we've done, done them in Santa Monica. And then for fall, winter, it's usually, and we've done one in upstate New York and um, uh, several of them in Colorado and they there they just want uh, they want a little bit of snow but not much um, <laughs> and they want maybe a little bit of um, color on the trees so that's a cha- I we don't select the locations they have a production company that does that but that's always a that one is always a challenge for fall winter so what was your would you say was your number one challenge in your first year starting out first year starting out was um, Definitely major imposter syndrome, major like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. We really just kind of had to brush that off and keep going and figure it out. But I also was really careful to not pretend like I knew what I was doing and sometimes just be honest and say, okay, we, we haven't done that before, but let's let's figure this out and we're going to make it happen. And let's, you know, we have folks that we can talk to and get advice from, but that's kind of like, I think on a, um, on a personal level, as far as like in, in my head was, oh my gosh, like, you know, I didn't really come from video production. I came from marketing. So Mm -hmm. as far as like logistics wise, I think we were a little, um, the first year shy about, well, you know, the things like proposals and estimates and um, getting paid and getting paid on time. That was out of my care. I was out of character for me to be like, closing the deal. Let's do this, you know, or this mm-hmm. is past due. You know, where is it? And that kind of thing that over the years became much, much easier because I know, you know, the pay me. Yeah, I know the value and I know when everything's due and I know how hard we worked. And um, so I, I would imagine that's something that a lot of people maybe experience in the first year is just, um, oh my gosh, I don't, it's, it's not I don't know what I'm doing. It's just 
the imposter syndrome of do I really do I really deserve this? Like, mm-hmm. you know. I think that ties in with the phrase fake it till you make it, which I heavily disagree with. Yeah. Especially if you're taking money for a service. And also it's it's very common thing with, with young entrepreneurs and maybe not young, but newer entrepreneurs are very quick to sell themselves short, especially their price point collections, demanding yeah. knowing their worth and and asserting their value um that they're bringing to the table. So now, did you take, um, so you recognize the imposter syndrome. Now, did you take active steps to kind of get around that and overcome that challenge? I mean, uh, every book I could pick up, we went to a really great, I guess it was like a workshop. And my partner, my husband, um, he had been working in production for I don't know, five years at this point. So he was along with me, but because of what he had done before was probably a little bit more informational we wanted to learn more about, you know, story. And especially at that time um, with what we had done with Dickies, it was like that um, maker video stuff. So it's like, go out and find this really cool guy who's been wearing Dickies for years. And his, you know, his dad wears them, his dad, dad's, dad's dad wore them. And um, they're so reliable and, you know, but okay, how do we make this, a, you know, a story? So he's a really cool knife maker and, you know, but so we wanted, he knew the technical, he knows the technical thing, but the arc of everything and, um, you know, the build up and of course, you know, he's got the angles and that kind of thing. So we went to a really, a really great um, workshop. It was really small. They were traveling around the country. They had made a documentary, found them, started following them, and they were very focused on that content. So we learned a lot from um, them in person at their workshop and then they have online courses and books and handbooks handbooks and things like that but we also didn't want to just stick with this this one you know resource so obviously there's tons out there and there's there's also your own style that you you don't always want to be fully inspired by by someone else so I mean we're, we're very versatile and we still are to this day um, but we started to kind of embrace what we did best, which for me, my favorite part of it, and this might not be for everyone, is really, really getting to know people that I interview, kind of um, getting past. So you're doing a testimonial, getting past like, oh, this this product is just the best thing on earth, but like, okay, why? And how did it solve your problem? And, you know, um, our nonprofit work, of course, is a little bit more, um, makes a little bit more sense for that. But I mean, I can't say that I took deliberate steps because I still feel it to this day, but uh, <laughs> 10 years in, I still do. But I think um, just knowing that other people felt it and continuing to educate myself every possible way I could. Um, Education is key. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's so many. I mean, there's so many resources. for. I, get, I, I know people that have been doing their, their job for 10 years and, and they still have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. So, Imposter syndrome doesn't just go away naturally. You no. have to take action, whether it's educate yourself or become the best in your space. Yeah, you have to do something. And I think that I I think I saw a quote somewhere that said the wrong people have imposter syndrome or something like that. Like, if you're not questioning things a little bit, you might be maybe a little too egotistical or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I know people who who uh, to to double down on that could use a bit of a imposter syndrome case. Yeah, we spoke to someone recently who 
is very accomplished and professional and and one thing that they talked about was imposter syndrome so i think it's pretty common across the board yeah yeah Yeah, and i think we i think part maybe maybe the most intentional part of that is figuring out what i knew we were really good at Mm -hmm. and following that um figuring out like okay we have some really really happy customers with this type of video let's keep doing that Mm. um and i guess the sort of niche is comes naturally from that while of course still trying to learn new skills but also being just taking advantage of the market and our our skill set yeah if it's not broken don't fix it right right so when when people married or or non-married just regular partners do business together in partnerships there's usually someone that we will call the good idea fairy who just oh let's go do this let's go do that when it may or may not make business sense so do you guys have that in your partnership and is it you or is it your husband um well actually um we call it the genie um and by the way the genius house name is very sarcastic no we don't think we're geniuses at all but the, you, when you the ruined genie... my joke later i was <laughs> i was gonna okay good to know <laughs> um no we definitely it, it started as a full joke we're very sarcastic we it's humor every day in our office and our shoots as much as possible that to answer that question the genie the the actual word genius comes from the word genie and when the genie enters a room it's like that fleeting moment when you have an idea and you're like oh, this, this is this is it you know mm-hmm. i think i'm probably i'm probably that but i i think we're both that and i don't know i mean we i don't know if i could say we're it's really one or the other he has he has really really amazing ideas for our videos i have probably the crazier ideas for our company. How do you guys handle conflict? What I say about um, owning a business with your spouse is that is the most amazing thing on earth and also the worst thing on earth. But um, I, you know, the funny thing is the first probably five years, I was like, we cannot talk about work all the time outside of the office. And then I realized we don't have kids. And I realized that this is probably like having a kid. I'm sure all parents talk about about their kids all the time, even though they don't want to because they're at dinner. And so I feel like embracing that um, was really helpful. But as far as conflict, to be totally honest, if this is something that, if, if it has anything to do with on a shoot or on set, it's, it's up to him. He's the director. It's his, it's his lane. It is, yeah. And I'm the producer, so I'm just solving problems and making everyone comfortable. If it is about the company overall, there's no one who gets to have the say. It is discussion. It is let's argue. Mm. Let's think about it. Let's stop. Let's not make the decision right now. Let's table and come back to it. Let's research, you know, um, just continue the conversation or the argument. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, we had to definitely, I had to delineate like, okay, the set is his. Mm. Um, if I'm definitely gonna tell him my opinion and he can take it or leave it. And that has been really helpful as far as conflict. Cause it can get really stressful, especially if you're, you know, you're filming, there's multiple things going on. There's multiple people to deal with. There's 
almost always limited time, you know, and so it's stressful. So that that I think is a, a helpful thing to just say. That's why there's a director, you know, that's it's it's their call. So that's really interesting. So I've never heard of a, a business partnership where someone doesn't have like the controlling vote. Even if it's 50-50, someone usually has veto power. Um, so that, that's interesting. I imagine that's led to some pretty fun discussions, conversations. Um, as far as when like not on set, you mean about the business or do you a mean about like, the business yeah. and, and trying to hash out direction, direction to go and decision, yeah. decision points, I would imagine. Well, also I think, um, I've noticed and I'm, I might, it might just be m more my style anyway, but when you have multiple people or you have the veto and you're say you're working on an edit, A, you're going to slow everything down and B our employees are gonna sense conflict. the conflict and I never ever wanna have any sort of toxicity or who do I ask about this or I what, you know, like I do think of my role as to support and make everyone um, not, to make everyone happy, to make everyone comfortable, you know, in the office on shoots. Um, my clients for sure. Um, mm -hmm. That is probably one place where we do, um, where we do have like, you know, he's a lot of times in the work and I'm kind of looking out for the client and I'm like, no, we need to, we need to change that. Not because of my creative opinion, but because of my, um, that's, that's my role. So you you're, know? you're a bit of a client advocate in the, in the, for sure. Yeah. The functionality yeah. of the business. I, I I, we're a small business, so it's, I am business development. I am, um, definitely like the account person, um, as far as not accounting, but as far as like face, you know, face mm -hmm. with the client, kind of like the advocate for the client, but also making it so that they don't have to talk to our editors and that kind of thing. So, and, and I will say also, we, we have a lot of long-term partners, so we don't, everything is pretty smooth and efficient. Like we've had, you know, we were at a shoot this morning for a client that we've had for six years. They didn't need us. They didn't need to be in the room when we were doing interviews. They didn't need, oftentimes when we deliver things, they're, they're like, you, you nailed it. We know you knew exactly what we want because we've been doing this so long. That's helpful. I don't know that I could be all of that if we, if we had new clients twice a month constantly, you know, needing to understand the process and that kind of thing. So one more question about partnerships. So... Um, have you guys had, I know you talk about, you mentioned leaving work at work, but have you had to set a little bit of uh, parameters and boundaries within your marriage as far as, is, Hey, let's, let's maybe crack a bottle of wine and put work aside. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That seems well, critical. It, it, right? it, it is. And, and actually I'm fine with talking about work as long as it's not complaining. And mm. we both will say, I, you know, like it's just the p typical boundaries with everything in life I'll say okay if you need to vent about that we can do it for five minutes so we're not going to do it all night you know and same with him if he's like tell me about how that went um and then you know once we are done with the cocktail and we're having dinner then we're gonna stop talking about it you know permission to vent is yeah. an amazing thing yeah like yeah. hey you got five minutes because yeah. let me just get this out of the way yeah okay so 
you started off with Dickies and, and things kind of just got off to a 60 mile an hour start and then they went back down to 35 miles an hour and you had to build out your client portfolio. At what point, if there was a point, did you realize, okay, hey, we're, we're actually kind of doing this. Like we're, we're there. We're a thriving small business. I, I can't really name a point because I felt like that kind of came in waves. Um, but I do remember having a, a moment where I actually had a, a business coach for myself because I wanted so badly for everything to constantly be evenly busy but not overwhelming and never have downtime but also never be drowning. And I had a coach that I spoke with twice a week and finally understood that that's just not how it's going to be, you know, and it's, it's, it's just not the real world. And I feel like that was probably somewhere around like year three or so where I just was like, okay, this is just the life of a business owner and entrepreneur and a, of a very changing landscape the digital you know content social media you know do it is it long form is it landscape is it you know it's always changing and that's accepting that was probably acceptance and just being present enjoying what 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 I do have while still obviously like you know planning for the future was personally for me like the the game changer of this is how we're gonna how we're going to get by. So I am a huge advocate of business coaches and executive coaches. Can you talk about that experience for a little bit? Sure. What was that like for you? It was, it was really valuable for me. I, I'm always trying to learn from other people. Mm -hmm. Um, this was the first time I had really done it intentionally. He had started the company death to stock. Have you ever heard of that? It's a stock photo company but very very different than I know who you're talking about yeah he, he was my coach really mm-hmm. I no way Tony no you're not talking about Tony David Ford? something and I can't, David Sherry I thought you were talking about Tony Ford that did the the film business this was a photo um so at first the way it started out is you could sign up for the newsletter and get packs of stock photos um like for free and it was a community of creators. And this is quite a long time ago. It's evolved into something else. He's no no longer a part of it or he sold it or whatever it was. Um, so it's it's there's a different kind of framework for it now. But I met him through that because I was just getting these, you know, images to use for social media or something. And then I emailed him about something he had written in the newsletter. And then I found out he was going to be at South by Southwest Interactive, and then I met him there. So we had coffee there, and I really just was like, this guy is just had this like calmness to him, this wisdom, and I was like, you know, let's let's do this coaching thing. So um, I can't. He we worked with a handbook. He he really just gave me the. Like I and I can't even ex- describe the strategy or how he did it, but he gave me this peace of mind that as long as um, you know I'm moving forward and I'm not getting, I remember feeling stuck at that time, feeling just mm. stuck on like, you know, but 
he gave me the peace of mind that this is just what it, this is what the life is, you know, to, it, he really got me to move out of that stuck place that I felt like I was. I mean, in. that's why you pay them. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's business coaches and mentors, I think are invaluable to people within that stuck space, especially if you're dealing with someone who's already built it. I have a pet peeve and that's coaches who are coaching something they've, they've never done. So I'll see, I hate when I see people, uh, who are trying to sell a coaching program and they've never built the, built or sold a business. They've never built and failed at business. So they don't know what's right and what's wrong. You know, they just attended a coaching course and now are selling their self as something. 100%. I know what you mean about that. Yeah. Um, no offense to anyone who does that. But, uh, <laughs> so do you have, do you have any books that you, that you read along your journey that were, were really impactful in business for you? I'm reading a book right now. Of we'll, course, we'll whatever book, book I'm reading the at the notes. time is is going to um, move me, but it's called The Creative Act, A Way of Being by Rick Rubin. Ah. Music producer. Jay-Z's guy. Also, how gorgeous is the cover? It's beautiful. I mean, it's just, I got it from the library, but I'm going to be returning that and buying it. It's a keeper. Mm. Make notes in it. It's not a really advice as it is more, um, you know, I, I keep, making it sound like I have no confidence in myself, but a lot of people are like- You're coming across as extremely confident. <laughs> okay, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it's about how everyone is an artist, mm. no matter if you're actually creating something and putting it out there or just the way you solve problems or the way you talk to people. Um, like I hesitate, somebody called me an artist once or somebody called me a filmmaker once. I'm like, I don't operate the camera I might hold it once in a while but that has been really speaking to me I just have read not even I mean it's not like one you pick up and just read it all the way through you read it occasionally for for inspiration and for um but anyway it's that's the one right now I remember in the back when I was doing more I we when we first started out I was doing social media for a few different clients so I was um writing content and creating posts and that kind of thing. I would read a ton of Gary Vee and, uh, or Gary Vandershek and if it's been a long time for those, but don't include those. It isn't, uh, <laughs> I don't really, I mean, Gary, Gary that, Vee's good for a startup. Before he was Mr. Inspirational Guy, he was yeah. all about social media. Um, and before that he was all about sales. Wine sales. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, but so I saw him with Social Media Club Fort Worth. We had him come to. Oh wow. Uh, well, not Fort Worth. He came to Dallas, but it was like a, a joint event. So we, um, he spoke and we met him, and he signed a book. And so of course I was, you know, hooked at that point. Speaking of Rick Rubin, not to. Yeah. Did you watch his documentary on no, HBO? Absolutely. Oh, well it's fantastic. Now. I mean, it's on Max. Yeah. Uh, okay. I have it. I'm gonna yeah. watch it tonight. Yeah. Actually, after my mockumentary that I watched tonight, I don't know if you heard me telling Chris. But. Well, let's talk about it. <laughs> Throw it out there. Okay. Yeah. No, no, it's it's a big joke, really. But so for our 10-year anniversary, um, we partnered with our friends at um, a brewery here, uh, Martin House Brewing, and they made us a beer. And nice. so we decided, also their 10-year anniversary this year. And so we decided to, We I've always wanted to work on something funny um, and we, the only other time we've done that is a video for them probably t eight or 10 years ago. And so we made, Adam and I s went to the bar near our office and wrote everything out about this mock documentary that we were going to create about how the Genius House team 
went about trying to convince Martin House to make us a beer. And it gets real silly. It's just ridiculous. It's 10 minutes long, and tonight we're... Is it going to be on YouTube? It will eventually. After you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, to, right now we have some... We need to find some stock music because we're using, you know, real songs at the moment. But for the for the yeah. for the uh, the private viewing with the guys, but mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it will be, and we have a bloopers reel, and so it'll be out there soon. Is that the favorite thing you've done? <laughs> no. What's the favorite What's the favorite project you've worked on, and why? I'm gonna I'm gonna put that into a few different categories. So there's one favorite on where we've been mm-hmm. because with um, our client, US Polo ASSN, we have been to some really amazing locations and uh, we got to go to Buenos Aires, Argentina with them and that was one of the most amazing things I've ever done in my life. Um, we were on a polo field you know, during a match and also we were out in um, the neighborhoods with models speaking Spanish and it was just incredible. So that was location and also just beautiful content. People, Getting to know people is my uh, one of my favorite parts of this job, and we work with the Warm Place, which is a grief facility for mm-hmm. families who have lost someone, for kids mm-hmm. who have lost a sibling or a parent and, and their families. And we film with them for their impact video every year, and every year I get the honor of getting to know the most amazing families, and I spend... We spend multiple days with them, filming them, interviewing them, and it's just a beautiful experience for me and a reminder of hug your people and and enjoy your life. And so that's the people. And then I guess the other one would just be beautiful content, just gorgeous content. And that is also with U.S. Polo ASSN, and they are the the the, brand, the clothing side. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, we get to go to some beautiful locations, work with their photography team, and shoot some of the most gorgeous content that I that is in our our library. So the mm. three categories, but yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I've never been to Argentina. I would love to go. I would love to go. I want to go back, and, but then <laughs> you got to go to like Brazil, and um, there's also a place in Argentina. Oof, I'm not going to be able to think of it, but it's a, it's one of the wonders of the world, and it's all of these gorgeous waterfalls. Oh wow! Um, and it's it's absolutely sick. And so while we were there, we we popped over there for just for fun. And that's another nice thing about owning a business with my husband is that when we're somewhere cool, we can spend an extra day or two and enjoy it. Versus if you're alone, you might enjoy exploring by yourself, but. A lot of times you just want to go home and get back to your family, but um, we've been able to take advantage of that. And well, if you ever go to Patagonia, let me know. I'll, I will uh, take off of work. Yes, yeah. Um, bring my laptop. I'll be your prop guy. I'll carry your bags. <laughs> perfect, perfect. It's a the funniest thing about that is the guy we were when we were in Buenos Aires. There's a um, guy, a, a local guy there, who was like. Christmas is coming up and we're all taking a trip to Patagonia. Do you want to stay? And Christmas was literally like a week ago. Stay and come with us. Stay and come with us. We're like, can we, can we do that? Can we, yes. Can we the do answer that? is yes. who know their way around and what to do out there. Once in a lifetime. We should have done it. Should have done it. We should have done it. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm going to air this episode now yeah. that you said you didn't go. Yeah, I'm maybe. so let down. Why did you bring me here? Um, okay. So 
what are what are you struggling with now? Like, what are the obstacles and barriers now? Now that you've been doing this for a decade, you're a seasoned, salty business owner, right? That's yeah. a marine a marine term. You're salty. That that's a good thing. You've seen seasoned, some stuff, yeah. right? I think the only the thing that on my mind that I am maybe struggling with is, and this is a something we learned in the 10K SB program is the exit strategy. What do we do with it? You know, <laughs> um, so we're not trying to exit anytime soon. Mm. But I do. It's a. But you will eventually. Yeah, it's a very physical job, and my knees hurt from carrying cases around. And um, so, how do we transition that to, you know, maybe not being as much into the operations? We don't have kids. I don't have. You know, so. We've been thinking a lot about that lately, and we've been talking to our advisor about that, and um, we're just now really starting that conversation, and it overwhelms me at times. Uh, that would be very over overwhelming. I mean, if you still want to maintain ownership, I mean, you you have to be bringing someone along in the pipeline who understands a business like you, who, who already you'll be able to easily transfer over client relationships with, mm -hmm. and that's not something you do in six months. Yeah. You know, that's a pipeline, like special forces type stuff where you have to go check all these boxes. Mm -hmm. Get someone else to be salty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, um, it's been on my mind a lot. It's in our conversations a lot. Um, and we have a lot of ideas of, I wouldn't say big changes to the company, but other ways to have income but still be in the same line of business. Um, and, you know, I mean, the other thing is there's a lot of production companies opening up every day around here, around DFW, around everywhere. So um, that's another thing that we think about. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't worry me because I know we have a solid experience and pipeline of partners, but it's something to think about as far as that long-term not the exit strategy as much but the value of our business and what if there's a whole bunch more of them or what if ai starts doing it all and that kind of things you know what i actually not gonna be able to sleep tonight i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah i think it's, it's you ask fascinating <laughs> i mean there's there's so much going on with ai um yeah. i mean we see new social media accounts they're not even real people you know and they're they're still it seems like a lot of the still photos are, are have kind of gotten past that uncanny valley, so to speak, where now it's really hard to tell. It's probably easy for you because this is your industry. But um, so I wrote down a question. So Fort Worth, 12th largest city um, in the nation, growing very rapidly, and our growth hasn't slowed down since it ramped up uh, right when COVID has happened. So have you seen the landscape of business changing around you is it harder to get clients is it harder to keep clients um are you getting shopped around from a price point perspective what are you seeing i i haven't seen a change we don't have we have about like 50 percent of our business is local and most of the ones that we do have are are repeat they're coming back to us but what i will say about that about the growing city about this development is well a I used to kind of be embarrassed. I used to want to say that we're from Dallas. Um, that's something that like people will probably be really upset about if I said, but that was also when I was newer. I've learned how important it is to A, love my town and B, 
I look around and I see I'm inspired by so many entrepreneurs and business owners who are, I mean, I could name friends or people who I just admire in this town who are doing things that make me dream big. That, mm. you know, I mean, we live here in the near south side and it is just such a vital and beautiful area and everybody is really supportive and I do, we do definitely, of course, have competitors, but I feel very confident that there's enough business to go around in this, uh, in this community that is growing so much. It's, it's astounding how much it's growing. And, and also one thing that they're doing well is they're fostering entrepreneurship here. Um, they're tech Fort Worth, you know, stuff, the stuff that Cameron Cushman's doing, he, he's got his own entrepreneurial, uh, incubator. Do you know Cameron? No, that name sounds familiar, but he's, he works with, um, next out of, uh, 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 UNT health, Sen health science center. They have a, uh, entrepreneurship in, uh, incubator and he's, he's amazing. And he moved from DC back to Fort Worth and mm. he brought all that energy with him. Mm. I don't know if that's okay to say in Fort Worth, I might get fired, but. That's okay. I, I, I admitted that I it. wanted to say I was from Dallas when we first started, and I feel like that will also. Well, when I'm outside <laughs> of DFW, I say DFW. Yeah. Right? Because yeah, exactly. When you say, when you go to LA and you say you're from Fort Worth, they're like, okay, so you have, you have like horses at gas stations. I'm like, no, the Fort Worth Metroplex is enormous, yeah. and it takes you an hour to get from here to there sometimes. You, well, know? you know what's crazy is, um, if I can keep talking, is... Um, we had some folks from LA that we were working with, um, more photography side, and he, they were they also worked with Dickies, and they would come into town, and they were like, "We love Fort Worth. We mm. we want to get out of LA. We love Fort Worth. We can see how it's like the next thing. It's the you know it's it's cooler than Austin and blah blah. blah. It was so awesome to hear that, and they were mm. they are forever LA people. I thought that was really cool. That was years ago too. I tell people if you want to get out of California and you want to stay in California, just move to Austin. Right. You know if you they want to, yeah, they're if, Uber they do. There. Yeah, they're Uber drivers, and they tell you how amazing <laughs> LA is, and you ask them to move back. But, um, anyways, I'm only teasing. Texas loves everybody. <laughs> so let me let me wrap this up with a question. Um, Ten years started it grew it you're maintaining it you're you're focusing or you're starting to think on an exit while continuing your brand if someone is getting ready to start their journey or they're you know within their first three years what piece of advice should they take from you what lesson should they learn from your experience that's going to help them on their journey uh i'm my it's always it's not like the most solid um like here do this this and this, but have a balance of confidence and humility and keep it, keep them both because humility will allow you to make mistakes and learn from them and, you know, go use resources like mentors or people you know, who may have advice for you and may not. Um, but humility allows you to listen and the confidence will allow you to just keep going, keep moving, keep moving mm. forward. 
that isn't like a. I mean, if you want solid advice, it's find <laughs> but a that really wasn't good, solid advice you just gave. It sounded well, solid. That sounded a little self helpy, but I I you know as far as like a real, you get a really start with a really good accountant. You know, don't. It's a pain to go back and change those things later on down the road legitimately use the the business plan like have it all you know have a plan to also be ready to 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 change it you know here and there and adjust but um but yeah I mean I think for me that has been my mindset has been the most important thing of having a little bit of both of those awesome yeah can I tell you what my biggest takeaway is yeah is that okay yeah so I love what you said about imposter syndrome. I think that the fact that you recognized that imposter syndrome was a thing with you and you kind of leaned into it and then you, you, you mentioned that you kind of still deal with it every, every now and then. I think that's brilliant. And people, people need to, to understand that sometimes there it's just a thing and you're just going to have to deal with it. It's never going to go away. There is no fake it till you make it. Yeah. You're just going to have to learn the business and lean into it. And if you don't have a touch of imposter syndrome, you might be a bit of a know-it-all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it means you're not trying to learn and grow. You know? Yeah, which is key. Yeah. You've been a great guest. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We will put all of her contact information in the show notes. If you want to hire them or reach out to her with more questions, feel free to contact her. Um, and thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Absolutely.